Good evening. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We're continuing in Luke's Gospel in chapter 1 and the story of John the Baptist continues. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn for salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Please have a seat. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. I want you to take a moment to just picture the scene. John the Baptist, this new baby, is gathered up into the arms of his father, Zechariah. He's maybe wrapped in a cloth and the father is looking tenderly down on his baby and he begins to pray for him. Zechariah was a priest and he'd been praying for this baby for a long time. He'd actually just had a long time of silence in order to get ready for this moment. So he was prepared. But as anticipated, he began to pray. And the Holy Spirit speaks through him and he prays this beautiful prophecy over his baby. And then, of course, the baby grows up and begins to flourish. But that picture of a dad holding his baby is one that is obviously played out day after day throughout millennia as a baby is born. What parent doesn't gather up their child, doesn't look down at it tenderly, doesn't count its little fingers and toes and begin to pray with hope and expectation for all that the future will hold for this small, precious life. The babies are cherished and nourished by their families as they looked at and their parents imagined them with their lives set apart for some purpose. Just over 60 years ago, uh, a little baby girl was born that I know and her parents bundled her up. They looked at her with delight. They checked her over and saw that she was healthy and they too began to pray with hope and expectation for her life. Her little, her little brother, well, older brother, poked her no doubt and probably chortled with glee at having a little sister to play with. And everything seemed so marvellous. And that little girl grew up. She did things. She learnt all the things that little girls learn. She did well in some things. She failed at other things. She became a bit of a musician. And in the small school, in the small town where she lived, she was considered rather a wonder at the, at the piano. Other things happened to her as well in her life. She experienced trauma in the home. 
Her family immigrated to a country which she didn't feel so familiar with. Having been a completely fantastic musician at home, she turned out to be just kind of average in the new big city where they lived. She went off to university and had a breakdown. She tried several times to take her own life. She had to quit university and then landed up in a series of years going to doctors, different diagnoses in and out of hospital. Her parents were anguished. She was confused and muddled. Eventually, they came on the diagnosis of schizophrenia and began to treat her for that. In those early years, she tried to train in various professions. She tried to train as a beautician. She tried to train as a florist. And she'd go off to work full of hope that this was going to be a new career for her. But quickly, it all became too much. It was too difficult to deal with colleagues and with uh, bosses and with routines and regular habits and processes. The voices in her head were way too loud for her to be able to engage with other people. And so gradually, gradually her life shrank and she became kind of isolated. She had could concentrate on the mundane of getting up in the morning, making breakfast, looking after herself, doing basic chores. But then quite often she would spend much of the day sitting watching television with the sound off. The sound was off because the noise in her head was just too loud as she tried to make sense of the reality around her. And now, in this last year, the age of 60, she's been diagnosed with cancer. And the cancer is working fast in her body and she will die soon. And as you look at her life, you begin to think, well, was it a waste? What did it mean? What are the markers that we can use to judge a life? Well, by any normal markers, her life was not particularly successful. She managed zero on the vocational success front. She managed pretty low on the relational front. She has no money. She has financial success, zero. Even on the happiness scale, which I gather is something which people want to judge lives on these days, she really didn't score at all. Her life was too wrapped up with anxiety and fear. So was her life a waste? Could her life be described as set apart? Let's go back to that baby we talked about right at the beginning, John the Baptist. As Zechariah preached, prayed this beautiful prophecy over his child, that the child would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Gosh, these are words we know so well. And from our perspective... From our perspective, we can see that John the Baptist gloriously fulfilled this prophecy. But for a moment, imagine you were the John the Baptist's next door neighbour. Let's look at his life from that perspective. First of all, he was born to elderly, elderly parents who probably died when he was still quite young. He landed up going to live in the desert. And in the other, another gospel, it says that he wore camel skin and ate locusts and honey. Have you ever smelt a camel? Goodness, they smell disgusting. I can't imagine that John the Baptist was something you would, someone you would want to get up close to. Did he have a comb or a brush? Living in the desert, I guess he got a sort of mangled beard. And I picture him all kind of wild and woolly. And then after many years, he'd come back into town and begun to have a ministry of preaching forgiveness and baptizing people in the River Jordan. And people did go to hear him. But you heard the rumors, of course, about how rude he was and how he would call people names. 
And then he got himself into a whole lot of trouble because he spoke up against the immorality and lack of integrity of the ruler of the time, Herod. He questioned Herod's relationship with Herodias. Herod was furious and threw him into prison. And later, as you read the story in the Gospels, there was an awful night when there was a party and a promise and John the Baptist his life ends in prison by him being beheaded at the whim of a selfish woman, a spoilt daughter. What kind of life was that? Was it a life set apart? Sounds a little rough to me. The courage of John the Baptist to speak up against the lack of integrity of his, of his leader is something which we saw witnessed this week with Christianity Today. Speaking up with courage can end a life very quickly. We need to pray that we'll take those risks that when we want need to speak out against a lack of integrity that we see around us. But was John the Baptist's life one that was set apart? To his next door neighbours, he probably didn't amount to very much. But the one thing that he did do very successfully was fulfil that prophecy in that he spoke of the next baby. He spoke of the baby whose life we are looking forward to celebrating with such joy on Tuesday. John the Baptist's purpose was not to lead a vocationally, financially or socially successful life, but it was to point to the one who was to come. And so as we picture that other baby, Jesus, we picture him too being picked up and cuddled by Joseph, by Mary. We picture them too marvelling at his little body, his fingers and toes, just delighting in who he is. But also, goodness me, aware that there's so many, so much strangeness around his birth. So as they prayed for him, I'm sure they prayed that his life would be a life set apart, a life with glorious purpose. But again, imagine your next door neighbour to Mary and Joseph. What do you see? You see a baby being born to a really mismatched couple, a young teenage girl, an old man. You see them having to be thrown out of their community to begin with because it was such so disgraceful the way the baby was conceived. Then you see them, his birth, causing the death of many other children, the whim of another wicked king. We see them fleeing to Egypt as refugees and later coming back and having a very mundane existence where Jesus picks up just a normal kind of career, works as a carpenter, and then has a few years of ministry, which sounded kind of interesting. But eventually he's crucified. He's arrested on some charges and, and you hear that he's died a criminal's death. Was that a life set apart? Was it a life with value? Death never looks glorious. Death is so complete. Death feels like such a full stop at the end of a life. A time when you really do begin to think, well, what? how does that add up? No chances of another, no promises of another chance tomorrow. Nothing perceptible, no lingering, no hope. Death sums up the life that has been led. Death is the conclusion of a story. But is it? That baby Jesus, whose birth we will celebrate this week, his short existence in dusty anonymity gives a deeper meaning and purpose to all of our lives. 
because he was the baby who grew up and died and then didn't stay dead. He was the one who rose again and which with a promise of eternal life for each one of us and the promise that God loved us so much that he would become incarnate. He was the one who's able to tell us that all our lives have the potential for forgiveness, for grace, for mercy and for a life beyond death. So what is this? life of this precious baby Jesus mean for all of us, for Sandra, who I mentioned earlier, for John the Baptist, for you, for me, for the people we meet in the street. Well, it means that we're all set apart. Jesus completely reframes the narrative. The fact that Jesus came to be God with us gives a different metric to help us gauge what it means to live a life set apart. That reading from Romans earlier gives us a few hints as to what a set-apart life really does look like. In verse 7 of chapter 1, it says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This little verse summarizes so much about what it means to live a set-apart life. Because first of all, it says, if you are set apart, you are loved by God. Note how it's fairly passive. You are loved by God. It's not that you've done anything. It's not that you've managed to create or fix or solve or accumulate. You are loved by God. Your set-apart life means that you can be confident that the creator of the universe loves you goes on to say set apart people are called to be holy as you make decisions this week as you look at the way that you're living your life this is the metric this is the way that you will be measured at the end of your life at your funeral when people say was she holy was he holy how does his life measure up did your choices exude integrity and reflect the choices of your heavenly father Set-apart people receive grace and peace. Grace that forgives as we come day after day to the cross and just say, Jesus, will you forgive me? And then once we are forgiven, we experience that peace, that shalom. Peace within us that soothes and peace that enables us to live at one with our neighbor. Do you exude grace and peace? Are they the markers of your set-apart life? To be honest, over this next week of Christmas, you're going to be in contact with all sorts of people, probably, whether friends, family, neighbours, relations. Resist, resist the temptation to evaluate them based on worldly standards. As you go into conversations with people, take a moment to pause and look at the person in front of you and say, beloved, beloved, you are beloved of God. You are forgiven. You are given peace. You are on a journey to holiness by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I went to visit my sister Sandra last week, uh, she lives in a little town in Hastings called Hastings. It's on the south coast of England. And if you've ever been to England, I don't know if you've ever been to a town like this. I'm sure there are many in America as well. It's um, it's kind of run down. It's Victorian heyday has long passed. It's unemployment is high there's a lot of drug addicts it's just um tatty the shops are tatty the streets are scruffy 
I don't know if you've ever seen Foyle's War. Well, Foyle's War is set in old Hastings, and there is still a pretty part of Hastings. Um, and you can still get a little glimpse of what it looked like uh, during World War Two. But by now, it's it's really a sad space. And so I was walking there one morning last week, and um, I was quite early. And it was before the shops had opened. And the people I saw walking around, well, first of all, there were the homeless who were just kind of waking up and beginning to think about where to scrounge their first cup of coffee. As I walked along the road, there's also an area where um, there's a lot of lean-tos and kind of um, temporary housing, which some of the local addicts live in. And they were kind of stretching and getting up and taking their dogs down to the beach. Not a nice beach, I need to say. It's just a stony, grey, cold beach. But anyway, um, and then as I walked into town, I, I saw this young girl sitting on a bench and looking bedraggled and like she'd had a hard night. And as I was walking along, I said, oh, Lord, I really, really don't like Hastings. This is a dump. And, you know, one of the it's almost like one of the clearest moments I've ever heard Jesus speak. It was like I heard him laugh out loud. And he said, really? Really? You don't like Hastings? Hastings is like one of my favorite places to be. And the conversation in my head kind of went on, well, why? And Jesus said, don't you get it? Look at these people again. They're my people. These are broken people who are the ones who most need to know that they are beloved. They are the most, most precious people to me because I am at work in them, encouraging them to holiness. These are the people who I want to know that they I want them to know that they are forgiven and that they can experience peace. Don't you love Hastings? I looked again. I looked again. And asked God to keep me looking again. And as I come back to Arlington, I want to keep looking again. Where are the people who are most struggling with their journey through life? Where are the people who most need to know that they are beloved? I long for the day when our pews have many people like that in them. We all need to know these things. But there are some people for whom it's just that little bit harder. And so wherever you go and whoever you meet this Christmas, will you remind yourself that you and they are beloved? That you and they are on a journey to holiness that you and they can experience grace and peace because of this baby this baby jesus whose life was set apart let us pray heavenly father we pray that you will help us always to be a community which encompasses and embraces every individual every person who is set apart by you every individual that you are at work in, teaching them how to walk into holiness, how to experience forgiveness and peace. Will you give us eyes that see like your eyes in the days and weeks ahead? Thank you, Heavenly Father, that because of this baby Jesus, all other babies too can live lives that are set apart. Amen.